Now, at the end of Ezra, um, you're going to pick up right around the 19th verse, and I'm just going to show you something. I'm only going to read one verse, but we're going to pick up at the 19th verse, and I want to show you something. They gave their hands that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their trespass. And in verse 20, it's, it just starts name after name after name after name. And it goes all the way from verse 20 to verse 43. If you've got your Bible, you can see exactly what I'm talking about, that for the next 23 verses, it gives name after name after name after name. And verse 44, this is what it says. All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. I want to preach to you, if I can, tonight with the help of the Lord. I do feel a witness that we're in the will of God tonight. I want to preach to you tonight that strange wives have strange children. Strange wives have strange children. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, if you would go over to Nehemiah and just start moving in the direction in your Bible towards Nehemiah 13, we're going to end up there in just a moment. But I want to talk to you tonight about strange wives have strange children. Now, Ezra, Ezra is a very unique piece in the history of Israel because he is a rebuilder. He is a rebuilder of things that were taken while the children of Israel were gone in exile. Uh, you could imagine what would happen if you walked away, especially right now um, in this city with homelessness and the way that things are. If you walked away from your home and just left it sitting empty for 70 years, do you think if you came back to your home that you could just move right back in? It's not going to happen. So you can imagine that when the children of Israel were gone, that there were some things that had moved in to what should be Jerusalem, God's holy city, that had moved in there. But the Lord said that he was going to let his people come back in to inhabit Jerusalem. And so, in the process of all of this, and I, I really could stay right here for a long, long time, but in the process of all of this, Ezra comes on the scene restoring the city and rebuilding the house of God. Now, Nehemiah, the next, the next book in the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are not separated as two different books. Nehemiah is actually the finishing part of what Ezra begins. So Ezra builds the house for the Lord, rebuilds the temple. He rebuilds a house for the Lord. He begins to work with the priesthood so that if we're going to have a, a temple, then we got to have priesthood, right? It makes sense. If you're going to have a church, you got to have the priesthood. You got to have Somebody that's working in this thing. Somebody that's going to read the Word of God and teach the Word of God and work with our children. But I want to tell you some sad, 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 sad news. Is that all of these names that are mentioned in the book of Ezra are priesthood. These are the men that are supposed to take Torah to the podium and unroll that scroll. And to teach to the people of God. That there is a difference between us and the world. That there is a difference between us and everybody else. There is a difference. But the problem is that these men who are supposed to be teaching that there is a difference between God's people and the rest of the world have married themselves strange wives. They have married themselves to some of the women who were in the city. 
when they came in to move in there after they had been in captivity, they come in to Jerusalem and we've got two different teams. Somebody say two teams. Now, I don't, I don't really know how to make this um, any more cut and dry than this, but I, 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 I want to say with as much kindness as I can, and I want to say this to you tonight with all the love that I can muster up in my heart, but I want to tell you that there are only two teams in this world. I wish, I wish I could say that a little nicer tonight, but there's really no way to say that any more kind. The Lord said, not Luke St. Clair, the Lord said, you're either for me or you're against me. That's what the Lord said. The Lord lets us understand that you either make it or you don't make it. Woo-wee, that's pretty tight right there. The Lord lets us know that you're going to live for God or you're not going to live for God. There is no such thing as half-heartedly living for God. I know that some people look at it and say, well, they're doing better than they've done. I understand that. And we've got to celebrate every victory that we can. But if you're still trying to hold on to who you were while God's trying to make you what he wants you to be, it's two worlds that are fighting against one another. You cannot cling to the past and embrace the future at the same time. These men are carrying with them a captive spirit. They have come out of captivity and now God is giving them liberty to overtake Jerusalem again and to make it their homeland. But some of them became comfortable with living with things and among people that were not supposed to be there. They felt sorry for them. It played on their emotions. We've been gone for 70 years and these people have moved in here and we can't surely just let them move out. And so they get the brilliant idea. And I hope you can fill in spaces as I'm teaching in a hurry tonight. They got the idea that since we don't want to be abrasive and kick the world out of Jerusalem, maybe the answer would be for us to just marry a little bit of the world while we're here trying to restore Jerusalem and everything would be all right. Maybe we could kick out some of their strong rulers and maybe we could kick out their really liberal leaders but what if we would just marry some of their daughters and allow ourselves to come attached to their daughters but this is the thought that the priesthood never took into consideration that strange wives have strange children what you betroth yourself to you will eventually, eventually reproduce with. We've got to be very careful in Pentecost that we don't start, and, I, and, and Lord help me tonight, just help me keep focused right here, but we got to be careful that we don't let this world play on our emotions. God, I don't want to get distracted right here, but I feel this in the Holy Ghost. There is a spirit, a sympathetic spirit that is working among sin today. And I don't have to stand here and call them out one by one, but you know what I'm talking about. There are sins that are going on in this world right now that literally play on the emotions of society to get you to feel sorry that if you don't believe the way they believe, then you hate them. preaching to you right now it's a spirit in this age that says you can't just disagree with somebody if you disagree with them then you hate them i don't know if you all have seen you better put your seatbelts on though because the day and time that we're living in right now there's things changing faster than we realize how quickly it's changing come on now i i just just this week I saw that there was a change on the, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the ABC initial agencies, I'd say that, one of the ABC, CDF, you know, it's there, that one of the law enforcement agencies, federals, that they have now, they have now changed 
on the watch list of radical, uh, along with radical terrorists and all that, they have put on their, that Christianity is on the watch list as domestic terrorists in this country. And we wonder why people are frustrated and they're taking it out of our schools and taking it out of our children's one nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that history, this is nothing new. History is repeating itself. Do you know what first and second and third century Christians were killed for? They weren't killed for preaching the gospel. They were killed for crimes of hatred against humanity. They said that the gospel they preached was hatred. Do you know why they said it was hatred? Because it was contrary to the spirit of the age. They stood up in the face of Rome and they preached against polygamy and they preached against homosexuality and they preached against bestiality and they preached against transgenderism. And so the powers that be said these people are promoting hate speech and we're going to destroy them. I'm going to try, again, I'm going to try to keep this on task tonight. But this is the reason why we have in the United States of America. Now, I'm fixing to come down heavy on some churches right here. But we've got church organizations. Thank God they're not apostolic. But there are organizations that have been longstanding in this nation that are now meeting at their general assemblies and general conferences. And they're taking it to the floor in votes right now as to whether or not they can ordain openly homosexual men and women as preachers and pastors in their pulpits and in their churches they're now dealing with votes on their conference floors as to what they're going to do if a pastor wants to change his sex and still stay in the same pulpit and hold his license and still continue to be an ordained minister with their new pronouns I'm telling you if we are not careful we're going to stand around and blame the world for what the church has married we're going to stand around and blame people that have a mindset listen the world has always been worldly that's what the world does but when the church starts becoming worldly that's where we got a problem because we're now endorsing what we used to stand against can I just say while I'm here I do everything I had to do to raise my children in the house of God and to raise my children in the church of the living God Strange wives have strange children. Now that word strange in the King James, that word strange just literally means foreign. Foreign. They're, in other words, when they said, put, when Ezra said, put away your strange wives, it was a very simple request. Put away what isn't like us don't marry yourself to something that doesn't hold your values oh god it is a serious serious problem when the church the church capitulates to the winds of the world and what the world listen i, I i'm going to say this one more time the world has always been worldly. We, we, we are, we're looking right here saying it's darker than it's ever been. It's, oh God. What, listen, this all happened in the Greeks and the Romans. It's always been here. If you don't believe it, you just go back and read a little bit of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the first thing we do 
is to look at that and say, See, God judged Sodom because of their sin and their sexuality. But if you read that book, you're going to find that there was a conversation that happened between Abraham and God. And God and Abraham got in this conversation. He said, Lord, what if I could just find 50 righteous people? He said, then I'd save the city. Well, what if I could find 40? Well, then I'd save the city for 40. Well, what if I could find 20? Then I'd save the city for 20. What if I could find 10? Then I'd save the city for 10. Listen, God was not destroying Sodom because Sodom had sinners. They had always had sinners. God was destroying Sodom because the righteous people started acting like Sodom. You can't blame Sodom for their destruction. The Lord said, I'll save the city if somebody will stand up and be righteous. I've come to preach it here tonight. I don't know why in the world that men would want to stand in their pulpits and throw conviction to the wayside. I don't know why parents would want to move their children away from the safety of the church. I'm telling you, God is looking for some righteous men and some righteous women and some holy people that will say there is a difference between us and them. And we're all right with that. It's a sympathetic spirit that is moving on the hearts of people. Lord Jesus. I'm taking my time tonight because I'm not just preaching to this room. I'm telling you, I'm 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 buttoning up against some stuff in this house. Feels good I'm going to do that button right now because I'm fixing to give the devil a black eye up in here tonight. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. That's moving among religious people. But it cannot affect relational people. You've heard me preach this so many times through the years. But I've got to preach it again tonight to get this point to you. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise that the story would have looked different if Abraham, Abram gave Lot the opportunity. He said, you choose the left and I'll go right. Or you choose right and I'll go left. You pick which one you want. And Abram, Abram gave Lot the opportunity to choose. And he pitched towards Sodom. You understand that? Sodom was not the problem. Because even Abram was willing to move to Sodom to get the room that he needed. And I promise you, it would have been a different story for Sodom if Abraham would have moved in that direction and not Lot. But wherever Lot went... It still would have been destroyed because he was failing to be righteous. Am I helping anybody in here right now? There is a reason why we, ha- we preach it and we preach it and we preach it. I thank God for you precious people. You don't even understand how grateful I am to be your pastor. I mean, I am so proud and I don't say that in a bad way I am so proud to be your pastor I've never in my life been ashamed to be the pastor of this church and you precious people but I want you to understand tonight that you cannot build your relationship with God on your relationship with me I thank God that you love me and I thank God that you love my family and I thank God for my deep roots here. But I want you to understand that I want to build the kind of church and help the Lord grow the kind of church in this city that if ever my foot were to slip and I were to stand in this pulpit and preach anything besides truth, that every last one of you would get up and walk out of this building because your relationship is not built on your love for a man. Your relationship is built on a God that has never failed. And he said, I'll always have a people. I'll always have a remnant. I'll always have my hand on my people. (laughs) Lot's relationship was with his uncle. But Abraham's relationship was with his God. You understand that? Lot's relationship was with Abraham. But Abraham's relationship was with his God. 
And when Lot was removed from his relationship with the man, then he did not have what it took to have a relationship with God. I'm fixing to preach to y'all up in here right now. Lot was doing some of the things he did because his uncle was convicted about it. Lot lived separated from some of the things of this world while Abraham was around because he knew that Abraham was a holy man. Folks, listen to me. If there's things in your life, and I told you this is not building it on your relationship with me, but if you wouldn't watch it, you wouldn't listen to it, or you wouldn't do it with me sitting next to you, then why in the world would you do it if I'm not in the room? My my dad used to drill that in us. If you wouldn't watch it with me sitting there, don't watch it with me not sitting there. Because you're building your relationship on this kind of statement. Why do you do that? Because that's what my pastor teaches. Why do you dress like that? Because that's what our church teaches. Why do you believe you have to be baptized in Jesus' name? Because that's what our church teaches. It's Pentecostal theology. No, it's not. It's Bible. There is no such thing as triune scripture and oneness scripture. There's just scripture. That's it. There's just scripture. And the scripture interprets itself. You cannot fall in love so much with a church or a pastor or a group of people that you live your life by their convictions. I'm going to preach to you tonight and tell you that in the end time church, somebody has absolutely lost their mind if they think the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, that it's going to require less conviction and less church. You can't have less church and less conviction and tell me you're going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. If you can't see that the world is turning up the heat, then you've got to ask yourself the question, why is the church turning the heat down? I, I don't want this to be in a negative connotation, but... I'm, I'm, being, I'm being as sincere as I can be right now, and I hope you know my heart. I really do wonder what it would have looked like in the temple of Jerusalem in the days of the Messiah if on Shabbos they would have walked in to the temple, and just as you come in through the lobby, you pick out your favorite cereal or donut, get a cup of coffee. And ease your way on into the holy place. We've, t- we've turned our churches in America into social clubs. And we wonder, we wonder where the spiritual authority has gone. I'm sorry, folks. I- I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't have the kind of ministry... That is rated by how many likes and follows my sermons and podcasts get online. Oh, we finally made it. Got 100,000 downloads. Okay, good. How many people have changed? We, we, we live our lives. We live our lives being validated by how many likes and double taps we can get on a life that's probably not even real. It's filtered up, changed around. I have honest to goodness met people in real life that when I shook their hand, they're like, we're friends online. I'm like, you are, we are? And I go on there and look, and like, honestly, God, if they had punched me in the face, I wouldn't have known who they were by their pictures online and what I saw when I met them because everything they post was fake. But the devil wants you to believe that you can leave your godly wife and take a strange wife to act like that woman. That you can marry yourself to some Instagram 
package that is everything you've ever dreamed about. Folks, we've got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. I was sitting the other day with a, with, with a man out at the airport. We were talking about some stuff we were going through. And he, he said, uh, I want to be careful because I don't want to hurt him. He's got some, it's not the same as HIPAA, but it's kind of the same idea. And uh, for years, this guy has been an examiner. He gives people check rides to become pilots. And, and as, as they go through, he works for the feds. He's a, he's a designated pilot examiner. And he told me, he said, for years, I, and, and I'm, I'm just going to use different names, but he said uh, he had a friend that's an that's a aircraft mechanic, and he's a big old boy, and he, he walks around all the time. And when you say, how you doing, the, the mechanic says, I'm fat. He said, that's, that's what he says, I'm fat. And so he got the nickname, and I'll, let's just call him Fat Mike. He, every, he went by Fat Mike. And so he got this girl, and he was giving her a check ride, and he said, listen, we're going to leave from this airport. We're going to burn this much fuel. When we land at this one, we're going to stop up here, and we're going to pick up Fat Mike, and we're going we're to go to the next airport, and this is how far it is. And she stopped and looked at him. She goes, that is not very nice of you. I said, sir, I would have failed her right then. She said, that was not nice of you to call him fat. He's like, that's what he calls himself. I don't know. He said, so now, just to let you know, preacher, now we stop and pick up Big Mike. I said, okay. Listen, I'm telling you, please listen to me. This sympathetic spirit is working on the hearts of people. I, I, I want to be as nice to people as I can be. I do business outside of the church, and, and, and you have to be correct. I understand that. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you some of the stuff that I've seen even just this week. I try to be as good as I can be. That's a big smile back there on that wall. <laughs> he knows. But you listen to me. I'm standing before God and this precious congregation of people tonight. You may have to put up with some stuff working at a coffee shop. But this is not a house of political correctness. It's the house of God. And I'm sorry if it hurts somebody or offends somebody. But if it's contrary to the scripture, that's God's idea. It's not my idea. And I don't have the power or the authority to change God's mind or to change God's rules. If you are an aspiring young man that wants to preach the gospel, you listen to what I'm telling you tonight. Do not preach a sympathetic gospel. Preach the only gospel. It's a spirit that causes you to fall in love with things that you want to keep around. It's the wives that they didn't want to move out. It's the part that looked beautiful to them and they didn't want to move it out of Jerusalem. They said maybe if we'll marry ourselves to it, then God will give us a pass. So God sent a man and said, put away your strange wives. Put away your strange wives. Why does it matter? Why can't we love who we want to love? You know, that's a famous statement right now. Love is love. Actually, God is love. That's what your Bible says. God is love. And God's word is always somebody just shout that word right there always. it's always right well I kind of disagree with that I'm sorry I don't really I don't really think that that part's necessary so our conversation's over 
You don't love me, Pastor? Yes, I do. I do. I love you so much that I'm not going to let you walk out of this church believing something that's going to send you to hell. I'm sorry. I love y'all too much. I love truth too much. I thank God for the word. Listen, I'm so thankful that God has put men in my life that'll preach a word to me and that'll speak in my life. I'm a man that's in authority, but I'm a man that's under authority. And when the man of God preaches and it steps on my toes, it doesn't make me mad. I say, preach on, preacher. If you're going to preach it, preach it right. If you're going to preach it, preach it hard. Whatever you got to do, preach it. Because I've got to be saved. Would you rather me preach sloppy agape and you stare across for eternity in hell and say, why didn't you tell me? I'm going to make a statement that I'm going to stand on. I've got some scripture that I, I believe I could, I could kind of put where I need it to be for this to be right, but it's more of an opinion. I'm not basing it on doctrine, but my opinion is that hell is going to be a different experience for some people. Elder, I believe that men who have walked away from preaching truth, I don't know how, I don't have a Bible verse for this, but I believe that they're going to hear sermons that they have preached themselves echo through the chambers of eternity. I believe they will. I believe they will. Why do you believe that, Pastor? Because we're going to be judged by the word. And these men have preached the word. And I believe that the word that they preached and walked away from it, they're going to have to hear it preached and echo through the chambers of eternity of what they preached and they walked away from. And I also believe, I also this is my opinion, understand that. It's my opinion. That's all it is. I also believe that they're going to hear some screams. The Bible says it's going to be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I believe that they're going to hear some cries. That are going to be louder than others to their ears. Because it's the people that they had under their watch when they forsook the truth. I'm sorry if that sounds mean. But that that right there is what keeps me walking in truth. I don't want to vacillate on truth. I don't want to compromise on truth. I don't want to walk away from truth. Pastor, look. It's one idea. Just marry one idea. The problem with that is that strange wives have strange children. Bishop could tell you that in, in, in uh, one of the jails that we were in, they tried to get us. There was a man. There was a man, and I know he knew truth because my pastor, my bishop, had one-on-ones with him. I know he did. But he refused to let those men be baptized in Jesus' name if that's what they wanted because he was afraid that he would offend other chaplains that were coming in there. And he would baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus' name. Listen, the collateral damage of that kind of doctrine, you, you, you do know what, what we're doing. We're dating strange women. And strange women. I came to preach on Wednesday night. So we can't just kind of like join a little bit of that together. No. Because it's not my doctrine. It's not mine. I, I didn't come up with this. I do like it. I'm glad I've been buried in Jesus' name. I'm glad that I was baptized in Jesus' name because all my sins were washed away. I didn't just go down a wet, a dry center and come up a wet center. I went down a center and came up washed in the blood. 
of Jesus' name. Why is it so necessary? Well, because for one thing, 4 and 12 of Acts, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So, so then, why don't we just do what Jesus said? What we do. And every apostle understood that. I would give $100,000 to the first person that can find one person in the book of Acts or thereafter, anywhere, that was ever baptized in a formula besides Jesus' name or the Lord Jesus Christ or The saving is not in the water, folks. The water is a sign. But the power's in the name. You've got to have the water to be buried. But without the name, it's just water. Well, what if... What if what if? I'm talking to you about this sympathetic spirit. Well, what if, what if they're on their deathbed? And we can't baptize them. Can we sprinkle them? You do, you do know that's how novation started, sprinkle baptism. Was it deathbed repentance? But I'm going to tell you something. That false doctrine of sprinkling... Started with convenience. But guess who they baptize that way now? Because it's not about convenience anymore. Strange wives have strange children. Now they take that false doctrine and invoke it over babies. That are too young to even know how to choose. Had somebody tell me one time, well, what, 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 what are you going to do, man? I mean, what, what if they say you can't, can't, can't baptize them in water? I said, let me tell you a story. I love this. I love this story. I get goosebumps every time I read it, talk about it, hear it. This church has been blessed with saints through the years. I know uh, Sister Guinevere Smith was one of the only uh, last living people I knew that had been baptized by G.T. Haywood. Bishop Haywood, pastor in Indianapolis, powerful man of God. His history is unbelievable. How God gave him revelation. They mocked him and kicked him out of a, one of those board meetings that I was talking about earlier because he had embraced the oneness. And one of those preachers stood up in the middle of that meeting and, and tried to embarrass him. Bishop tried to embarrass Bishop Haywood and he twisted the scripture a little bit and he said, You know, this oneness doctrine that we hear preached, he said, It's nothing but just. Hay, wood, and stubble. Well, Bishop Haywood walked into the hospital. And there was a man laying on his deathbed. He had hours to live. And the man said, Brother Haywood, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, okay, well then we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. He went to get the doctor. And the doctor said, no, you won't. That man is dying. He said, then what's it going to hurt? He said, no, he, you, you're not allowed to put him in the water. You can't baptize him in Jesus' name. He said, Brother Haywood, I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, okay, brother. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, they won't let me do it in this hospital. We're going to have to leave. He said, then let's leave. Brother Haywood walked over to that bed Picked that little man up off his bed. He started walking out. The doctor said, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking this man to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, if that man dies while you have him on your watch, he said, there will be police waiting on you when you get to the river to baptize him. There will be police waiting on you. And if he dies, you're going straight to prison for murder. He said, then so be it. And he walked out of that hospital. 
And he carried that lame man. And they said that he went down to White River in Indianapolis. And when he got there, he got out of the car. There were police officers standing there. And they said, Reverend, what? listen, don't do this. He said, sir, this man must be born again. He has to be born again. They said, sir, we don't want to do this. Please. He said, he must be born again. And he walked right respectfully by those officers. And he walked off. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost up in here right now. He walked off down in those dirty river waters with that man that was hours from his death. And he said, upon the profession of your faith, because you have repented of your sins and desire to be baptized, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And Bishop Haywood put that man down in the water. But when he went to bring him up, the man stood on his own power. And he walked out of that river with Brother Haywood. Why don't, why don't we just marry a strange wife that says when our back's against the wall, we can do whatever we want because strange wives have strange children. I believe that if God can wash his sin away, that God can raise him up. We got to give God a chance to move. we may have talked ourselves out of more miracles than we know because we're willing to just vacillate just enough to still fit in you weren't filled with the Holy Ghost to be safe you were filled with the Holy Ghost to be dangerous to the devil I, got, I must hurry Nehemiah chapter 13 Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23. Nehemiah is finishing out. Listen, Ezra built the house of the Lord. Nehemiah's building the walls. 52 days, 52 days, 52 days. Brother Holmes got to preaching about Nehemiah 52 days. He said, I wonder what would happen. He said, if God could help them rebuild walls and city in 52 days. He said, I wonder what would happen if we'd give up some stuff for 52 days. He said, just wonder what would happen. Well, some of us this summer got to just giving up some things, just simple stuff. Some of us gave up sugar, dessert. Some gave up coffee. Some gave up chicken and rice. <laughs> stuff they love, 52 days. To my knowledge, since my 52 days were up, We've been baptizing people every single service. <laughs> it ain't me. What, what could God do through you over 52 days? Think about that. 52 days. Get your calendar out and look. 52 days from right now. Could I live without that Coca-Cola for 52 days? Could I live without that Pepsi for 52 days? Could I, could I live without that coffee? Had one man drink nothing but water. Nothing but water. 52 days. Nothing but water. Nothing else. 52 days. What could God do through this church? I'm just throwing it out there. It ain't what I'm preaching. What would happen to your life? Shh. What have you been asking God for that you may just be 52 days away from getting it? Be something to see, wouldn't it? The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23. I'm almost done. Y'all doing good? That's the best drink I've had all day. Nehemiah 13, verse 23. 
Let's go together. I want you to see this. This is the last chapter of Nehemiah. Are you hearing me? It's the last chapter. The wall has been built. The temple's done. But they're still strange wives. Ezra told him in the start, if God's going to have his people, put him away. But we go all the way through Ezra, all the way through Nehemiah. We're in the last chapter. And in those days, I also saw I, Jews, that had married the wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. Verse 24. Folks, if this don't mess with you, I don't know what will. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language but according to the language of each people. These men that married strange wives had strange children. Follow me when I tell you how this works and I got to hurry these men were supposed to be priests whose lineage and offspring were to be priests but it says very plainly they could not speak in the in the Jews language why does that matter because the Jews language was the language of the priesthood the enemy said if I can get them in just one generation of the priesthood to marry a strange wife then the next generation that should have been priests won't even be able to speak the language that the Torah is written in I want you all to think about what I'm telling you right now you better be careful what you marry and I'm not talking about engagements, and I'm not, I'm not talking about a man and a woman. I'm talking about there's some ideas that are playing on our emotions, and we got to be careful what we espouse ourselves to. Because if you'll allow that in your home, there's a good... Listen, I don't know if you know who you are tonight. Do you know who you are? You are a chosen generation, and you are a royal... You are a royal priesthood. Do you know what's going to happen to the royal priesthood if the next generation can't even speak the language of the church? Tongues are going to stop being essential. Baptism is going to stop being essential. Separation from the world is going to stop being essential. And church business will keep going on. And people will keep meeting. And they'll keep filling up buildings. Because we won't put away strange wives. Listen to me. I'm telling you with every ounce of strength I've got tonight. We cannot afford to marry the wives of this world. Because strange wives have strange children. Let's stand. Believe me, I've been doing this long enough that I've had people say the reason why you Pentecostal preachers preach the way you do is because you like to have your thumb on people. had them look at me and say what you guys preach is not necessary it doesn't take what you preach to get to heaven and my response is I hope you're right but you better hope I'm not because when you start marrying strange wives You're going to raise up a generation that's going to hear somebody speak another tongue and say, what was that? Oh, I do remember my grandmother. They said she used to do that. You know, I've heard stories of old church back in the day when 
for everybody to get saved, they said they all had to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. They dunk them in water. And, well, I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Why do you do it, Pastor? Because I don't want to have strange children. <laughs> Buy the truth. Sell it not. Come on, somebody say that with me. Buy the truth and sell it. Ooh, let's do it again. Buy the truth. Ooh, one more time. Ooh, let's give God thanks for truth tonight. Come on, let's take a minute and just thank the Lord. If you're thankful for truth, you ought to step out the aisle and give God praise for it tonight. Lord, we're going to fall in love with truth and marry ourselves to it. We're going to fall in love with apostolic doctrine and marry ourselves to it. Woo! Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm not telling you to be mean about it. I'm not telling you to be ugly to people about it. I'm just telling you that you're going to have to make a decision in your own life. If you're going to stand for God and you're going to live for God, you're going to have to make that decision that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter who walks away from this. I'm going to keep loving them till they come back. But I'm not going to follow after them. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. The spirit of this age. The spirit of this age wants us to sell out. But listen, you can't sell out when you've already sold out. 